Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, March the 14th, 2023. Dealing today with a perennial subject, not just one for March 2023, 1923, 1923-1623, on the church itself. Um, we've done some shows recently on this rather tense relationship between um, religious nationalism and um, the secular state. One uh, earlier this year with my old friend Catherine Stewart on how, at least in her view, American religious nationalism is on the rise in 2022 and how we should confront it, if you indeed do want to confront it in 2023, uh, she's the author of The Power Worshippers, Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism. Catherine's a rather brave woman, but she's focused mostly on Pentecostals, on, on the more, um, shall we say, a populist wing of American Protestantism. Today we're taking um, another look at American religion and politics, but this time from the point of view of American Catholicism. My guest today, Mary Jo McConaughey, has a new book out. It's actually out in a couple of weeks, Playing God, American Catholic Bishops and the Far Right. She covers quite similar territory, I think, to Catherine Stewart, but does it very much from the point of view of American Catholicism. Mary Joe is joining us from San Francisco, a couple of miles away from me in Noe Valley. Uh, Mary Joe, I assume you're familiar with uh, Catherine Stewart's book and thesis. How much, um, how much is your book, your new book, Playing God, um, uh, an accompanying text to what Catherine argues in The Power Worshippers? I think... Uh, without putting words in her mouth, but certainly having read her book closely and using it as a source for mine, I think we have the same concern about uh, conservative uh, religious figures moving the country closer and closer to Christian nationalism, to being radical, uh, to being uh, members of religion, but to, uh, uh, in the case of the Catholic bishops, uh, becoming some of the most of uh, adding to the most formidable reactionary forces in America. And this all comes through in politics. They affect politics just as the people about whom Catherine uh, writes are affecting politics. Mary Jo, this is a in show fact, about you rather than Catherine, but do, um, and, and her thesis uh, in The Power Worshippers, do, does, in your view at least, the American Catholic bishops associated with the far right, are they working in concert with the kinds of people that Catherine Stewart writes about, or is this a parallel movement? Since 1972, I believe, 
uh, they have been working so closely that now, uh, so closely along the same path that now it is difficult to tell the difference between the vocabulary and the interests of uh, white evangelical uh, fundamentalist, uh, I would say, and the most conservative Catholic bishops in the 1970s, uh, an incredible Catholic activist. When I say incredible, I mean for the energy he had and for his persistence of vision. Paul Weirich uh, realized that his uh, vision of turning the country back to what he believed was the image that the founding fathers had, and Catherine also talks about this, um, uh, couldn't do it alone. Just couldn't be just Catholics, and it couldn't be just uh, uh, the abortion issue, which was considered a Catholic issue. And so he went to Jerry Falwell, who was a very famous evangelical preacher. And uh, at the time, the evangelicals were not involved in abortion as a political issue. In fact, they weren't involved in politics. They decided at that time that that was not what their mission was supposed to be. But Wyrick talked to Falwell and said, together, we can be a moral majority for this country and return the country back to the principles of our founding fathers. So yes, I would say they're on parallel paths, have been for a long time. This is a 50 year project. One of the things that's always intriguing to me is that the Ku Klux Klan, of course, which uh, epitomizes all, all the bad aspects of extreme right-wing racism, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, they were not only against the Jews and blacks, but also against Catholics. What has happened over the last hundred years to turn Catholics and Protestants into allies rather than enemies, or at least uh, religious nationalist Catholics and Protestants? Uh, several things. I, I, I want to uh, underline what you just said about Catholics being the targets of uh, these radical right-wing groups, the Ku Klux Klan, for instance, is one you, uh, you brought up. My own father remembers clearly when he was a boy being uh, having his car stopped over by the Klansmen and the, his father being at the wheel. And, um, uh, uh, be and because they knew that, that uh, the, uh, they, they were on their way to church, they knew they were Catholics. And um, rather than, I mean, in that case, it turned out all right, rather than being dragged out of the car and somehow abused one way or the other, there was a voice in the crowd said, hey, that's Mac, referring to my father, I'm sorry, to my grandfather, who was a local political Where figure. Where was this, um, Mary Jo? It, this was in, well, I'll tell you exactly when it was. Where, where, uh, where was it? Oh, where, 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 sorry, uh, Indianapolis. Okay, and, and when? 1923. My dad was six. So uh, exactly 100 years ago. So, yeah. so what's happened in, in over those 100 years to, to, to make, at least, I mean, not all Catholics, because you define yourself as a Catholic journalist. I know you're not uh, in alliance with the radical right. 
But w- what has turned um, animosity into friendship? Like goals, similar goals. This idea, and by the way, I am speaking not of Catholics, but of a certain subgroup of Catholics who are small in number, but much more uh, powerful than their numbers may indicate. And this includes uh, probably three quarters of the uh, Catholic bishops conference. So as I said, what made them strange bedfellows, the fundamentalist Catholic evangelicals and these what I would call fundamentalist Catholic conservatives is a a like-minded idea that the country is too secular, our country is too secular, that it has lost its quote unquote Christian values that it had at the beginning. And uh, that, you know, this is a way these kind of campaigns, uh, woke issues. Mm. Uh, I, I take the point, uh, Mary Jo, but you use the F word, fundamentalist. Uh, I mean, by definition, religious people might think that America has become too secular, might want to tighten up on its moral code. Uh, might be concerned about the direction of the country. That doesn't make them fundamentalists, does it? No, it doesn't. But what I look at in my book is those who are extremely conservative that I would call fundamentalist Catholics. And those are not all conservative Catholics. Catholics, you could almost say, are conservative. I mean, isn't a Catholic by, by definition fundamentalist, for better or worse? I'm sorry? Isn't a Catholic by definition a fundamentalist? They believe in a certain no. narrative? No, no, um, without going into and I don't mean the word as an insult. I just, I mean, if you're not. No, Catholics. Uh-huh. Sorry, go on. Uh, I'm not exactly clear what your idea of a fundamentalist is. But uh, my idea is someone who is um, uh, uh, in in a doctrinal box and is not uh, part of the real world in terms of uh, his or her uh, uh, thoughts about his own principles. That is, it's his or her own principles or the highway. Yeah, I mean, my sense of the word fundamentalist is it gets used. It's like the word terrorist. um, one person's fundamentalist is another person's freedom fighter. And it's often used by people who simply trying to box up the other people. I'm certainly not um, a Catholic or sympathetic to the religious right, but I, I'm a little uncomfortable with that term. But anyway, go on. Well, let's throw it out. Let's throw it out. It's not necessary for the conversation. What I'm talking about throughout this book is this incredibly powerful group of ultra-conservative Catholics and their lay allies, often very moneyed allies, who I think are chipping away at democracy by their support for issues that are um, uh, that, that, that will get us back to a Christian to being a Christian nation. You mentioned Paul. Uh, Wayrick, uh, is he 
the central figure in all this, in your view, in terms of this, and you use the word Catholic fundamentalism or, or radical Catholic uh, movement in America? Oh, I think he was at one time, 50 years ago. He's a co-founder of the Heritage Foundation. And he's dead, uh, in my book, now. I beg your pardon. I, and and he's, he's gone a few years now. Um, but what he, uh, uh, there, there's an entire section in my book about the groups that he established and what their strength is today. And of course, this uh, marriage of convenience with um, the uh, 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 evangelical right, uh, which is um, which came to be called the moral majority, was I mean that was his name for it, and that was his activism that organized it. I mean, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then, and there have been other figures. Uh, that have come up that are very much with us still, uh, like Leonard Leo. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Leonard Leo always seems to come up. He strikes me as a rather James Bond-like villain. What is it about Leo that upsets so many people? He's rich, right? You know, he has he a lot of money. He doesn't come up enough. Well, he didn't always have a lot of money. He was a, a, a lawyer, uh, joined up with the, uh, he was a co-founder of the Federalist Society uh, and started uh, working on influencing the selection of U.S. Uh, justices to the Supreme Court. Um, now, uh, you said he has a lot of money. He sure does now. Uh, in fact, he just received probably the biggest single quote unquote donation to his cause, uh, $1.6 billion. So yeah, Leonard Leo has a lot of money, but so do other Catholic laymen and, and women uh, who are uh, on board with this very doctrinal view of Catholicism, which by the way, is not uh, the point of view from which Pope Francis in Rome uh, appears, well, does uh, view the church. So they're kind of outliers as far as uh, I'm not sure Francis. they would think of themselves as outliers. There's certainly for, there's, for the last 500 years or perhaps the last 2000 years, there's been a debate within the Catholic church about its political direction. What I don't understand about all this, and I brought it up with Catherine, is why is this such a threat? These people are well-funded, they're well-organized, they're smart politically, they're playing the American political game, which is forming themselves into groups, allying themselves with others to shape or reshape American politics. What's wrong with that? You may not like their message. I don't like their message, but that doesn't make them such a threat. Oh, Pope Francis himself warned against threats to democracy. And I believe, in fact, that's when I started writing the book, which was on January 6th. At least that was the impulse to start writing the book during the taking of the Capitol with all of the crucifixes and, and praying Christians on the site, 
it's a threat. I didn't see any. Uh, I didn't see any. I'm just going to finish. Sentence, Andrew. It's a threat only insofar as you believe this kind of extreme conservatism in our day and age in the United States is a threat to democracy, which I do. I didn't see. Maybe I missed them. Maybe they were dressed in beards and sweatshirts, but I didn't see any American bishops running around Congress on January 6th. What was the relationship between American Catholic bishops and what we call the insurrection or the riot or the jacquerie or whatever else you want to describe it in, in January 6th in Washington, D.C.? Well, in fact, on the Jericho, at the Jericho march the day before, which was setting it up, there was beamed in uh, a very uh, well-known uh, for his uh, ultra-conservatism American bishop, uh, uh, Strickland. And this is also, Joseph Strickland. Yeah. Um, uh, he's from Texas. And uh, U.S. bishops were not at the Capitol. What this book is about is show is the bishops becoming more and more ultra right wing over the last 50 years, where they stand today, how their message to Catholics and to Christians in general may nurture, or I believe does nurture this kind of scene. Well, what do you mean they become more right wing? Look, during the 1980s, uh, bishops of the Catholic Church were known for their opposition to nuclear proliferation. I myself, as a reporter in Central America, met bishop after bishop after bishop coming down there, getting mud on their boots, looking to see what the real situation was. And in the end, the Conference of Catholic Bishops stood against our, that is yeah, Washington's involvement in Central American uh, uh, insurrections. This was the kind of conference that existed in the 80s. In fact, they stood up against many of the uh, efforts of um, Ronald Reagan. Um, since then, bish more bishops have been appointed by two popes uh, who were uh, rather conservative. And the bishops have also made abortion their priority, which has cut off a lot of pastoral efforts. And slowly, little by little, aided by a, an extremely right-wing Catholic media, not all Catholic media is right-wing, notable exceptions, but what I show in my book in a chapter called Ministry of Propaganda is the evolution from the 70s, the 80s of that Catholic media that gives the platform to the most right wing. Could, could you give me some examples of this Catholic media? Are these 
of the Catholic media. Yeah. I mean, um, these Catholic life site, life site, pillar. I don't have my list in front of me. They're all in. They're all in the book. There. There's one called Church Militant, uh, which was encouraging its readers and and viewers to come to the Capitol uh, on that on that day. Uh, there is, on the other hand, you've got National Catholic Reporter, Commonweal. You had a religious news service um, uh, that was owned by the bishops that was very independent. And just last year, uh, they cut off the domestic reporting from that news service. So that means that all of these small archdiocesan or diocesan papers have lost a kind of middle of the road news source. So what I'm saying here is that uh, Catholic conservative media, Catholic conservative bishops have come together in the last 50 years, that's your question, and uh, brought us to where we are now, which is very, very close uh, in the opinions of many. I'm not exactly sure myself, but I, I'm entertaining this idea, very close to schism with Rome. Well, there was an interesting review of your book in the New York Times by Noah Feldman, who's been on the show. Um, and, and I'm quoting him here. He said, it doesn't seem uncharitable to remind liberal Catholics like McConaughey that the Catholic Church is by de self-definition a structure of hierarchical authority run by a single man who holds the keys to heaven given by Jesus to St. Peter. If that's not a conservative institution, I don't know what is. It seems to me, and I'm tend to agree with Noah, that you are yourself involved in a debate within the Catholic Church, which is fine. I'm certainly more sympathetic to your position than, than the conservatives. Uh, but why should the rest of us care? This is a, a family dispute within Catholicism. Yeah, um, the rest of us should care because I think we should care about all of the forces in our country which is leading us away from democracy and towards something more, um, more. But you haven't, you uh, haven't, you haven't explained how. You suggested that uh, Joseph Strickland spoke the day before uh, uh, January sixth, um, but I don't see any evidence that that the Catholic Church or the American Catholic Church is against democracy. How are they trying to break it? Ah, you have 72 million Catholics in the United States. They take their cues from the bishops. The bishops are more and more in support of extreme, of right-wing figures. Dolan of New York uh, had a conference call with President, ex-President Trump on the eve, this is just one example, on, on the eve of the last election in which he, he absolutely gushed over him and with 600 other Catholics on the line, some of whom were appalled. But this is the kind of leaders that we have in the Catholic Church. They're not all this way, that's for sure. But these are the ones I chose to focus on because I was so shocked and appalled at, first of all, a real lack of criticism of what happened 
on January 6th. And on many other, well- So do you think the church uh, should have been more explicit in their condemnation of, of January 6th? I mean, you, your point about Trump, I mean, Trump, for better or worse, was elected democratically in 2016. So what's wrong with a Catholic churchman, presumably supporting him, uh, articulating enthusiasm for Trump? I mean, you may not approve of it, I certainly don't, but why is that against democracy? It's precisely what you're saying is, is, is the point. We're not supposed to, we Catholics, um, uh, the church is not supposed to be promoting one political party rather than another. The Catholic Church has just become identified with the Republican Party in this country. And the Republican Party as it is, uh, one could suggest, uh, it, it loudly speaks toward a lack of democracy. Now, we can argue about why? that. I mean, again, you keep on no. saying that. I mean, you're clearly politically a progressive. You're a Catholic. So you're articulating alternative vision. I assume you probably vote Democrat. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you against democracy. An alternative vision is not such a bad idea for a book. What do you mean? Well, the alternative vision that I'm presenting here is following more Pope Francis and showing how much American bishops are against everything, well, not everything, against so much of what he stands for. This is a danger not only to Amer the American Catholic Church, but it's a danger, I think, to the wider country because of the influence of Catholic bishops. Look, we Catholics have been uh, 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 nurtured and grown up paying attention to authority, respecting authority. And, and, and this can get us in a lot of trouble. Uh, and look, I don't, I don't wanna lose your, your point about what it matters to the rest of the country. But I think if 72 million Catholics are following ultra-conservative doctrine, it's going to have an effect on the rest of the country. 30% of Congress is, I mean, very, maybe 20% of the country is Catholic. 30% of the men and women in Congress. Right, and the are, Supreme Court. Um, even not to mention the Supreme Court. And it's not just that, that there are, you know, six out of seven, uh, 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 or, I mean, uh, six out of nine uh, justices who were brought up Catholic. It's just that their Catholicism is, uh, and, and this is another subject I hope to, explore further in the future, that their Catholic Catholicism is bringing a kind of Catholic culture to the Supreme Court that um, uh, went out before Vatican II. Well, it's old-fashioned, it's perhaps reactionary, but you still haven't convinced me why it's a threat to democracy. I believe the book shows how much money goes uh, from Catholic sources to changing laws that are arguably 
threats to democracy. I believe the book shows how much opinion is shaped by the most conservative Catholic figures in the country. These are threats to democracy. They would be a threat to democracy. Right. If they came well, there's two issues. There's too much money in politics. I don't think we would disagree on that. And everyone uses their money, whether they're Google or Facebook or the military industrial complex or labor unions or teachers to pursue their own interests. But when it comes to the, the money that is coming from uh, your uh, the, the group you write about, American Catholic bishops in the far right, what are they trying to do? What, what's their goal? To eliminate what they believe is secularism, to eliminate what they believe is a kind of society that would not be recognized by our founding fathers. This is something with which many people can disagree, but that's where their money is going. And I realize we agree on a lot, but I am not writing about Google. I'm not writing about these other institutions. Well, my, my, but the reason I keep on asking, because I always get these people on the show and everyone sees everything as a conspiracy these days. Oh, it's big tech that's the conspiracy or the Catholic Church or Catherine Stewart's idea of Protestants or the unions. You find the same on the right. And everyone's pursuing, you still haven't convinced me of, of, of them shutting down American democracy. They have a different vision. You say they want to do, with, do, do away with secularism. Would that do away with the distinction between church and state? Would we become a, a, a medieval uh, papal dictatorship if these people had their way? The Joseph, the people you write about in your book, the, the Joseph Stricklands, the Salvatore, Cordiglione's, it sounds like they came out of The Godfather, uh, Carlo Maria Vigano. You write about these people. What do they want in America? Not such a great analogy there that coming out of The Godfather. These are real Just people. Just the name, Cordiglione. Got it. These are real people who have points of view that influence many Catholics. They are against LGBTQ marriage, for instance. They are against people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, who are lifelong Catholics, making full uh, getting Holy Communion. Does that affect the rest of the country? No. What does affect the rest of the country is their influence on Catholics and their opposition to so much that the head of the Catholic Church stands for. Remember Pope Francis said about gays, who am I to judge? This is something, as, as I believe Catherine showed in her book, as other people are showing in other sectors of the society, this is something worth paying attention to. The amount of money 
that is going into these court cases, these legislative changes, often from Catholic institutions, is very important to pay attention to, whether you're Catholic or not. What's the answer then, um, Mary Jo? Uh, should should liberal Catholics like you raise equivalent amounts of money to fund these organizations? Um, do we? I mean, I don't think anyone would debate that we need to change campaign finance laws, but that's a, a bigger issue. Um, the fact that money is coming from conservative Catholics and Catholic bishops into American politics, that, again, it, it, they're playing the rules of the game, for better or worse. The rules of the game may not be good ones, but everyone else is playing those rules too. Dark money is not a good rule to be playing by. Uh, the amount that comes from Catholic institutions and Catholic churches, and especially ultra-conservative lay people, is way out of proportion to anything that certainly Catholics in general uh, donate to their special causes. Where's the money coming from? Is it coming from industry? Is it coming from wealthy individuals? Both. Remember, there are Catholics who are extremely involved in, in very wealthy industries, uh, in, including, uh, uh, and they make alliances, like Tim Bush of the Napa Institute makes the alliance with Charles Koch, uh, whom, whom he calls a Catholic, but he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke, but nevertheless, uh, these alliances are with people who uh, want some of the same things in 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 Coke's case, less regulation uh, uh, for for oil and gas industries, for instance. Um, you know, one of the worst things that the Catholic bishops, I think, have done in the last five years, ten years, is failing to support the Pope on his uh, in, 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 incredibly uh, uh, fervent uh, uh, attention to the environment. And the Catholic bishops are really the only ones in the world who are not doing that. And how much of that is due to the involvement of uh, investments by bishops in the in, the, in, in polluting industries. Uh, I talk about that in the book and give examples. Uh, I'm a journalist, you said what should be done. Uh, if I were a philosopher, uh, I might be able to answer that question. Uh, as it is, I want to raise these questions. No, they're important, right? important questions to raise. And I think it's a very important book, Playing God, American Catholic Bishops and the Far Right. My, my, and, I, and I've, I've, I've asked you this question before. I don't want to sound repetitive. I mean, even the Koch brothers, again, I'm certainly anything but a fan of them. But are they in the business or were they in the business of destroying democracy? It's just that their vision of America is different from ours. Perhaps Charles Koch's vision of democracy is different from ours, but it's more than that. It's a, a vision that 
uh, reduces uh, the amount of, of input that voters can have. Uh, there are many examples of the kinds of places that he has supported to put forth his uh, ultra free market, non excuse me, non-regulated capitalism vision of the world. He's now supporting something like 40 Catholic universities and colleges to put forth this vision of capitalism at the same time that the Pope is calling out for a reduction in unfettered capitalism, not just to save the world, but because it harms the most vulnerable. So that's what I have to say about Charles Koch. So much of this is also done in the name of liberty, the name of religious liberty, the name of economic liberty. Uh, but I would say you want to look twice at that kind of terminology when it comes from uh, people who are trying at the same time to limit voting, to limit our own input on our democracy. Finally, Mary Jo, you mentioned schisms before. The history of the Catholic and Christian church is defined by one kind of schism or another. Clearly, you're not happy with the American Catholic Church, although you're sympathetic to the, the church in Rome. Why not just become a schismatic yourself? Form your own church. Leave these people. You clearly don't like them. You don't agree with them. Um, there must be other Catholics like yourself is, is this the way that perhaps um, we can get beyond these Catholic, these American Catholic bishops playing God? Uh, because clearly there's divisions within the American Catholic community articulated by people like yourself on the one hand and uh, the radical right on the other. <laughs> I'm a cradle Catholic. I can't be a non-Catholic. What does that mean, a cradle Catholic? Oh, that means that um, uh, you were baptized as a baby, uh, as opposed to a convert Catholic or, you know, it's just a term. It's an indication that I was born, bred, educated, a Catholic. Uh, you know, a famous woman theologian, Mary Daly, said you can never be an ex-Catholic. You can be a graduate Catholic uh, or you can, you know, try to walk away. But there is something about Catholicism that I believe is so uh, precious that I would never want to Well, you seem such a generous person, Mary Jo, and so open-minded. I'd, I'd like to have you in my uh, religious community, the Jews. Can't you just become a Jew? <laughs> you would be an honorary Jew and an honorable one. We need progressive women like yourself. <laughs> We're close. Um, it, it's, and you know, it's, it, it, when I talked to, I was at a parish meeting the other day and, uh, somebody who knew about my book announced that it was coming and said what it was about. Do you know that there was a round of applause there? My point is that there are Catholics like myself that really believe 
it's worth the fight hanging in there.